listening to the home of cool, irreverent, and entertaining talk right here on L.A. Talk Radio. You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on L.A. Talk Radio. My name is Lucia. I'm your host and a dating and relationship expert. And I'm here to entertain, educate, and enlighten you about love, dating, and relationships. Take your live calls, answer your emails, and speak to authors of books which I find interesting. And today, we're going to talk about being a sensual woman. So if any guys are listening, they might be thinking, well, I don't know if this show is for me. However, you know, you may be able to help the women in your life become more sensual from the things that you learn, or maybe you'll have them listen to the show if they're not listening to it today. So I'm going to bring the author on, and uh, we're going to find out how to be a sensual woman. Hi, it's Lucia. How are you doing? Doing great. How are you? Wonderful. Now, I unfortunately didn't get a chance to speak to you <laughs> before our show, so I'm not even sure how to pronounce your name. So you, can you pl- please uh, pronounce it for me? Yes, it's Saida Desile. Aha, so you're French. Yes, French-Canadian. Oh, wow, I'm Canadian too. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Good, wonderful. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show today. I know you taught a seminar this weekend, so you're probably very tired. Yes, I just finished just a few minutes ago, so wow. um, good timing, oh, and God. I'm quite um, enlivened by the presence of all the women I experienced this weekend. Great. Well, we're going to talk about your seminars a little bit later on, so let me introduce you first. Of course, the name of the book is Emergence of the Sensual Woman, Awakening Our Erotic Innocence, and uh, Saida is the founder of the Destile Method and Jade Goddess, a seminar leader and universal Tao instructor. She is sought out worldwide for her expertise in the field of conscious sexual energy cultivation. In fact, I was looking on your website earlier and I saw that you teach seminars really all over the world. That's correct. Almost every weekend. You're how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I do the practice that I teach. Wow. I mean, wow, you're just jetting around from place to place. <laughs> Um, so, um, now, how did the Jade Goddess and what you call the art of succulent living teachings begin? It began uh, over a decade ago, um, formally began with my own personal practice. This was brought to me through a teacher, and the women in my community were noticing some changes in me and enjoying them, and um I had started to speak a little bit about what I was doing personally, and they wanted me to teach them. So that's how I began, very informal, a way of uh, teaching a group of women that were interested. And then I thought, well, if I'm going to teach this stuff, I should get educated. Uh, Hence, I went and trained with the Universal Tao and their system, and then I did other degrees and things since then uh, to keep improving my education and the information that I'm providing to women. And so, what is your definition then of a sensual woman? Mm. My definition of a sensual woman would be a woman who's fully embraced her sensuality, which includes all of her senses and the relationship of those senses with her body, mm-hmm. and being in an embodied place. So, um, when she smells a smell, it's not just a scent, but it actually impacts her body in a pleasant way, usually. It's a good smell. Uh, Same thing with the taste. So a sensual woman really responds to life, um, I'd say, from a more dialed-up place. Uh uh Yeah. And so in the subtitle of your book, you mentioned erotic innocence. Uh, What is that? That's a really good question. (laughs) I only ask good questions. (laughs) (laughs) Erotic innocence. 
Um, I know they don't normally go together as words, yes. but um, in my experience, this is the true nature of who we are. Every human being has an erotic energy, and when we understand it from an innocent place, that means a place that doesn't have story, it doesn't have um, all these preconceived notions of what's good or what's bad, but purely just connecting with the aliveness, the life force, and not necessarily always in terms of acting out in a sexual way, per se, mm-hmm. but just being erotically alive. Um, so that's where erotic innocence comes from, is this place of really being open and having wonderment and awe around the beauty and power of the erotic nature of a human being. Okay, and then uh, why do you think that the world we live in greets the feminine essence with bitterness and hostility? And by the way, I do agree with you. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know, that's a very big question. Okay. <laughs> so how to synergize it into a quick sentence. Um, for the most part, I think that it's related to the fact that the feminine is the embodiment uh, of something we call the mystery, the, the unknown aspect of life. And for most people, what is mysterious or unknown is actually frightening. And um, that fear can make us respond in many different ways. So when we witness someone who's really in the feminine, who trusts in that mystery, who lives from that place of being comfortable, not always knowing, it can be really threatening. And then it's also... For some people, if it's not threatening, it, it's almost as though they know that they could have that and they don't, mm-hmm. and that hence where the bitterness would come from. It's like, ah, uh, mm. you know, I can't be that way. I've been shut down for too long, and yeah. therefore I'm, I'm not going to be happy with what I'm seeing instead of celebrating it. Yeah, so you know, <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. I mean, yeah, my experience has been because, you know, um, I uh, I usually wear dresses and I have, um, you know, my hair long and my nails done, makeup, blah, 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 the usual, you know, trying to be feminine. Yeah. And uh, and so I noticed the reaction of women around me because a lot of women these days are not doing that, depending on the environment I'm in. And some of the feelings almost like. Okay, we're okay. We all decided a long time ago we're not going to be feminine, okay? Even though that's where our power lies, we're not going to be feminine. And then in I walk and they're looking at me like, uh, "Excuse me, didn't we decide we're not going to be feminine? What are you doing?" <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. So, and I'm kind of like reminding them like, "Hey, you don't have to uh, you know, have short hair and wear pants and not work out and be, you know, out of shape. You can look like this. You just have to want to do it." Right. It's, it's actually in our birthright to be radiant, and what that radiance may express itself as will be different woman to woman. Some women, actually, their radiance does come out with short hair and, and wearing pants, and uh, you know that, that's the way that they would express it. It wouldn't necessarily be typically flowing hair and dresses, although flowing hair and dresses is a lot of fun yes. uh, as well. So what, what's more important is to understand that... Um, Okay, so maybe we made this agreement we're not going to be feminine anymore, but I think most of us want to feel alive and want to feel a little bit more vibrant. And so if we come from that place of understanding that, and then we look a little deeper, wow, you know, radiance is really beautiful. And how I choose to express this in the world doesn't have to look like a predetermined way. It doesn't have to be a woman who's anti-looking feminine or a woman who's, you know, totally looking feminine. It can be any way that the woman decides to express her radiance. And I think that's, that's where the freedom is, is to get outside of this um, either-or or polarized version of the feminine and start to say, hey, what is it for me? What does it look like for me? Right, right. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, yeah, obviously a woman can be feminine even if she's bald. When I mentioned the short hair and the pants, uh, I, I coupled those things together because Usually, but not always, you know, women that do have short hair and always wear pants, they're not as in touch with their feminine side as another woman who perhaps has a dress on. Does mm. that make sense? Um, sometimes that's true and sometimes that's not true. I've met a lot of women who just love having short hair, but they're very, very feminine. So, again, I think um, that can be true for some people and not for others. So, 
Um, I tend not to generalize in that way. I tend to just go, okay, what's the individual? What's the individual expression? And I've met women with long, flowy dresses and long hair who are not very feminine. That's even true, though too. They're, they're dressed that way and <laughs> yes. <look> the part. <laughs> they're men. So, yes, exactly. So it's, it's really um, a gift when we can look beyond what a person looks like and feel into what's the energy coming from this person. Are they radiating? Are they... Um, willing to smile and are soft and, and, and open or are they closed and you know, not interested or, or whatever. So there's many layers to our social interactions. Yeah, okay, that's it. I think you've hit it on the head. I, I meant, I guess, more than, because I'm looking at the outer clothing, but more than that, I guess it's also the energy that accompanies the woman. So, yeah, absolutely. obviously, whatever she's wearing yeah, or absolutely. not wearing. Yeah, because you could, yes. like you said, have long hair and be in a dress and... <laughs> not have feminine energy. Mm-hmm. Um, now, do you think that when women make bad choices in men, it's because they're not in touch with uh, their sensuality and their femininity? Yes and no. I think there's an aspect of the, the aspect of the, the, the woman that is relating to the masculine um, really is indicative of her own relationship with her own personal masculine energy. And, and the men that we tend to attract and choose often reflect that very relationship with our own personal masculine energy. And I have noticed that as I've healed um, my own self and expanded myself and, and journeyed into what, it, what that masculine energy meant for Saida, that the men in my life shifted and changed, and changed according to my own changes. So... Um, I don't know that it's an aspect of not being feminine. I think sometimes it's an aspect of not having an integrated masculine energy. Some women might be so surrendered and so um, submissive and so flowy that they're not able to discern and take correct action when it comes to making good choices for a partner. And that would be more of a quality attribute with her masculine energy. Mm -hmm. And so then let's say a woman is more in touch with her, it's, it's, she, she's not, she, doesn't have, she hasn't combined the two, she hasn't balanced the masculine and feminine energies, so then what type of men would, a woman who's more in touch with her masculine side, what type of men would she attract, what type of relationships? If she's um, healthily balanced or imbalanced? No, if she's, uh, if she's unbalanced and the masculine energy is stronger. Ah. Right. Um, well, what I've noticed, and I, I teach couples work with my partner, and so we, we observe a lot of uh, couples and, and how they behave and, and what's happening, and we've noticed this pattern that um, whatever polarity the woman holds, the man tends to hold the opposite polarity. So if a woman tends to be you know, a bully and really aggressive and very masculine, she'll, she'll tend to attract or be with a man who will be more um, submissive and soft and yielding. And, and so, not always, but it's, it is a common polarity that, that will happen when we're looking outside of ourselves for that polarity. Uh, when we start doing our own work, of course, then we create that polarity within ourselves and we can meet another person who's whole and can relate to us both from an integrated masculine and feminine. Um, so would that explain then maybe why, because I see a lot of attractive, successful, beautiful women, and they seem to be interested or attract guys who just don't have it together. They don't have the finances, they don't have a job, they don't have a car, they don't have a place to live. And these seem to be the only types of guys either that they're attracted to or that they're attracting. So what can those women do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is a... Uh, um... That is a pretty big pattern that I've also observed. Um, I think what happens in terms of we looking at um, when a woman's really autonomous and really taking care of herself um, and, and successful in the world, sometimes um, a partner that she would attract would tend to look at her as a caregiver or a mother at some point, and she would drop into that role. And then there's no other expression of the feminine that she makes available for herself. And so this is um, a pattern that is important for women to look at within themselves and also for men to look at within themselves of how they look at the feminine and how they relate to her. Um, I've also noticed that if a woman's very successful and powerful, sometimes um, she's looking for something else 
in in a relationship. She she may love the fact that the man is a free spirit or that he um, makes her laugh or he's very sensual. So his success in the world, if he's not a multi-millionaire, doesn't matter so much to her as qualities of intimacy and, and connection. So it's, it's hard to generalize um, in mm-hmm. that question, but I think that's a, a pretty good range. <laughs> right, right. Um, so then how, I guess in the book you, you explain how to balance the feminine and uh, masculine. Is it something you can explain quickly or do you just have to read the book? Uh, definitely read the book. Yeah, uh, we can go through it a little bit. So the most important thing for anyone is to self-define what feminine means for them and what masculine means for them. And then to find out in their life which... Um, if there is an imbalance, which of the two, you know, has a more um, outward expression and which is more inward. And just start to become really familiar and intimate with yourself. And as we do that, sometimes there's a natural balance that happens without having to actually do anything about it, just mm-hmm. shining your consciousness and awareness on the fact that, oh, you know, have a look at this. <laughs> and then accepting yourself as you are. Um, can really facilitate a harmonious relationship with yourself mm-hmm. and the qualities. Okay. All right. Great. And then I guess for the detailed explanation, people can always read the book. Um, so moving on, why do women sometimes get angry when men are aroused by them? Mm, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> Another one. Yes. I, um, I can't answer for all women, but I can generally answer this question. And the experience that I've had is that anger comes actually from a, first a fear. The experience of fear and then they go into anger. Mm-hmm. And the fear comes from this idea that they, they are responsible for the man's arousal and B would have to do something about it. Right. Instead of having the understanding that their beauty naturally would inspire uh, an aliveness in another person, mm-hmm. and to allow that other person to experience the aliveness within themselves, so it has nothing to do with the woman, it has to do with the person feeling the aliveness, and then knowing, hey, if I don't have anything to do about this, I can just let that person experience and feel and reflect back to me my beauty in whatever way. Now, of course, sometimes it comes in more crass ways or, or things like that, but I think behind that impulse is first that recognition of beauty. And um, the masculine loves beauty. It, it's attracted to beauty. It, it responds to beauty. And actually, if we really are honest with ourselves, we enjoy that response in the masculine, um, especially when it is reflected back in a healthy way. So we can start as women to first relax into our own beauty and really claim it for ourselves and then allow other people the spaciousness to experience whatever they need to experience in life without the need to feel obligated to change that person or change the situation. And I feel pretty safe when I come from that attitude. I know that I can easily walk in a different direction. I don't talk to the person. I don't even need mm-hmm. to really look at the person if I don't feel comfortable or don't want to. Yeah. But also, it's not my place to shut down somebody who's been inspired by beauty. Right. Yeah, because I think that, you know, from a woman's point of view, if someone we're attracted to um, is aroused, we don't mind. But if it's someone we're not attracted to is aroused, we're like, ew. Yes, because I think in general our relationship with arousal is very basic and there is, um, and this is where the realm of erotic innocence as well as um, my teachings deal a lot with the maturity process of sexuality and the emotion, emotions. Mm-hmm. So when we start to mature a little bit sexually and emotionally and we also tap into our erotic innocence, we have a different relationship to arousal and we start to understand that Arousal is simply the movement of life force. Whether it's, you know, in springtime, you can feel that aroused energy in, in the plants and the animals and the birds. Yes. Um, 
And and when we see it and feel it in others, we need to start um, just allowing this response to aliveness not always have to equate to sex. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, it's a lot easier to celebrate it with each other. It's a lot easier to own it for ourselves. And um, it's a lot easier to feel free not to do something about it. And, and sometimes, you know, I said, you know, you seem very turned on to a person and they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm really turned on. I'm like, that's great. And I then explain to them that I'm not feeling connected to that and I'm not interested in connecting to that and yet I'm also explaining to them that it's okay for them to feel that. And so what happens in that moment, it's been my experience that an erotic innocence ignites within that person and they start to understand, oh, this is my feeling, this is my response. Um, it's not always the case. You know, I have had quite a few experiences like that. And I think we are, you know, as limbic creatures, as creatures that we really resonate with each other, we're constantly giving each other um, unspoken vibrational energies. And when we're afraid or angry, um, it creates a reaction in another human being. Um, and hence we get moments of feeling you know, afraid or aggressive or or these things, because we're also constantly reacting from each other. But the fact that we can really know ourselves and be grounded in ourselves gives us a little spaciousness around those sort of interactions. Mm-hmm. So then how can we transform the attention of men into empowerment? Oh, it starts with ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Everything does. Yes. Um, <laughs> do you celebrate yourself? Do you feel joy about your own beauty, about your own radiance? Um, Do you feel your power in the fact that you are uh, a beautiful, alive human being? Um, Do you recognize that you can just be that beautiful person and you don't have to take action around it? So these are all things we can ask ourselves and uh, contemplate and see if that inspires any new of thinking. And then the other is um, we can't ever make someone empower us. So the empowerment comes from within us. It's impossible for me to um, ask a man to empower me by the way he looks at me. But my response, how I think and feel about his reflection is definitely personal and it's a choice. And I can, can choose to say, wow, thank you. Thank you for reflecting my beauty back. That's great. I'm really happy about this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it takes confidence to do that because most of us are trained to not feel good about ourselves. Most of us are trained that we should actually put ourselves down or or not shine our light. And, and so when someone reflects back that we're beautiful, sometimes it's a little hard to digest because we're like, oh, I thought I'm not supposed to shine. I thought I'm not supposed to be beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, why am I attracting attention? And so it... It takes a little bit of a reorientation, and that's part of that maturity process around our sexuality to recognize that beauty is really healing, and we need beauty in this world. There's a lot of things that aren't beautiful. And so learning to celebrate beauty, um, learning to celebrate beauty when you see it, you know, when you see a beautiful woman or you see a beautiful person or a scenery in nature, to allow yourself to celebrate that and go, wow, yeah, beauty is really nurturing to me. It makes me feel good to see someone who's healthy and smiling and taking care of themselves. Uh, yeah, in fact, I want, actually heard once that uh, the eye is constantly looking for beauty. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah, which I think is true. You know, when we're looking around, when we see something beautiful, we stop mm. and take it mm. in. Um, so mm-hmm. moving on, what is the difference between lust and love? Lust and love. Yes. Mm. Well, I think in my book I I separated into. I mean, it's impossible to really separate things, but I do separate them so people have an understanding of where the impulse comes from. In in my experience, um, when we say we're lustful, often we're feeling our sexuality, our loins, the, the pelvic area of the body, we rarely feel lustful from our head. It's usually like a, a lower body feeling. So 
so that for me is the instinctual nature. It's the part of us that is, um, we would call it the, the wild part of us, mm -hmm. the undomesticated part of us. And that's a healthy thing. We need that. We need to have an aspect of ourselves that responds to life really strongly. So that's how I would determine lust. And then love, um, my favorite definition of it is profound respect. And for me, that really emanates out of more the center of the heart, um, uh, mature emotional energy, where we can really respect ourselves and respect others, and we are in that energy of love. So there's, it's more of a, an emotional response to, to someone versus an instinctual response. But again, you can't really separate them fully. Mm -hmm. I hope that um, is clear. <laughs> Absolutely. And then what is raw sexual energy? Oh, so the life force energy, or as you called it, the raw sexual energy, is basically um, a, what animates life. So anything that is alive has this vital life force energy. And um, it's, it's what, um, how would you say it? In the moment of conception, when, you, when you're conceived, the energy that is created in that conception, the orgasmic energy, is that life force. Mm -hmm. And the rawness of it is it's just primordial. It's, it's, it's not trained. It doesn't think. It's just pure animated life force. Mm -hmm. Do you I think, think that? And, 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 you know, when, let's say, men, uh, married men or married men in a relationship, when they, you know, just, do you think they're just giving in to that raw sexual energy when they have sex with someone they, sh uh, quote, should not be having sex with? Oh, okay. Um, hmm. That's a, a deep question. <laughs> I'm asking all the deep <laughs> questions today. <laughs> No, I, I love it. It's good. Um, you know, I think what happens, because we don't take the time to really connect with all aspects of ourselves, there's parts of us that are going to act out and act out unconsciously. And whether it's a man or a woman who's choosing to act out unconsciously, sexually, I have a sense that it's basically their wildness, the part of them that, that is free, that just gets inspired, that feels, and yet they haven't yet created a, a link between their heart you know, and their ability to um, really sense and feel beyond just the pure lust, mm -hmm. and they haven't really developed yet the consciousness, like take the consciousness and shone it down into this beautiful energy. So it's just Sure, and sure, I would say people definitely explore that. And in the big, big picture, I don't think there's anything really wrong with feeling that energy. But where consciousness comes in is you definitely need to become aware of your relationship, your relational field, uh, respecting another person, um, being honest, um, definitely an advocate for radical authenticity. And one of the examples that I had of that is, is growing up with parents who deeply love each other. And they were very honest with each other. Occasionally, they were inspired by other people. Mm -hmm. And they would talk about it with each other. And just that conversation alone would reignite their passion for each other. Mm -hmm. And what we tend to do, because we have shame around things, is we act out, we hide it. And then we actually strip away the opportunity to bring that that inspiration in the relationship yeah I've always sort of been of that mindset that I would like to be in a relationship where if I see someone I'm, someone else I'm attracted to or my partner that we can say you know what I met someone today and blah 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 and we could just talk about it so you're saying by doing that that actually brings the couple closer it can absolutely because a for one anyone who is saying they don't sense that is a lying we mm -hmm. all know when our when their partner yes. is is looking elsewhere or, or is with someone else. Whether you're conscious of it or not, your body knows it. Mm -hmm. Women are really tuned into that um, vibration. So when your partner comes forth and says, oh, wow, you know, I met this really hot person and 
and I was really turned on and really inspired or whatever they're sharing, A, you can feel safe because you're like, wow, this person's just sharing this with me. They're not hiding it from mm-hmm. me. I can trust that they're being honest. And then two, if, if you can see that they brought it back to the connection and they're talking about it with you, um, that's really a gift that they're sharing because they're turned on. So um, we can learn to share that joy with our partner and be open to talking about things. And and I think often just being able, like I said, to shine the consciousness on this part of our nature um, gives us freedom with it. And it becomes more of a, um, my partner likes to call it benevolent beast instead of something <laughs> unconscious and hurtful. And um, I tend to agree with him. I think that there's a real natural benevolence to this wildness within us, and when we can voice it and be radically authentic and revealing, we liberate ourselves. And often, most of the time, I don't know that we really need to act out on it. Often, we just need to feel our aliveness and to share that. Right. Maybe by sharing it, it becomes a bit uh, diffused in the sense that you don't feel like you have to go out and act on it. Mm. And if there's an issue in the relationship around sensuality, then it's a really important subject to talk about. Like, okay, well, in the instance of my parents, my mother got really curious, well, what is it about this person that's inspiring you? And it, you know, inspired my mother to then actually blossom and expand her expression of how she interfaced with my father and and vice versa. So so it brought more um, creativity to their connection. So it's good for a couple to find out if, if there is stuff going on um, to talk about it. And in, in, in some respects, some relationships are not actually compatible sexually, and that discussion needs to happen at some point. Um, yeah, I can certainly understand that because, you know, I observe people in general, but, I, you know, when I look at women, I look at them because I want to see, if I see an interesting woman, I, I want to see, you know, what is it about her that's interesting? Is it the way she carries herself, what she's wearing, et cetera, et cetera? So I'll be looking at women, and they might think, you know, is she gay or something? But <laughs> I'm just looking because I'm trying to learn and find out what they have that my, I think I might be missing that I want to have. Mm, yeah, that's beautiful. And we can do that together as women. We can support each other and and be honest and share with each other and inspire each other to bring more beauty and aliveness and creativity to how we express that aliveness. Yeah. So let's say then a woman is with um, a partner who doesn't share this and instead, you know, does have sex with someone else, and how should she handle that? Oh, well, um, hopefully she finds out. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Some some people don't seem to find out. And and I think it's, it's really individual. Um, I lived through the experience myself, mm-hmm. and the choice that I made in that moment was just to find out truth. You know, how long has it been going on? Did you use protection? Like, I got really technical first, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because I needed to know, is, is my body safe? Yeah. That was my main concern. And then once that was there, um, usually when this is happening, there's something going on in the relationship uh, to lead someone to to, to do these things. And so we, I was then interested in finding out, okay, what's the deeper purpose behind this? What really was going on? And I got to find out that my partner uh, didn't no longer actually care for me. And I thought, wow, that's a shocker. Wow. I had no clue. I've been living this fantasy <laughs> <laughs> relationship. But during all that process of discovering, um, I really got clear about connecting with myself mm. and nurturing myself and respecting myself, and finding my voice, and, and honoring all my feelings. Um, so each woman can have a different way of being, but if she can really hold herself in gentleness and respect, and be really honest with herself, and really clear, and really unafraid, even though it feels terrifying, to move forward and say, you know, okay, am I going to remain in this relationship and try to make it work? Or am I going to move on, and what does that look like? And um, having that, starting to open that discussion with with your partner. Obviously, if he's revealed what's going on, then um, hopefully he'll be open to that discussion. Right. Okay. 
So then um, you go on to talk about omni-orgasm. So I think we've all heard of multi-orgasm, but what is omni-orgasm? I just love your questions today. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So first, a multi-orgasm is is kind of a popular topic now. So it, it means many orgasms or repetitive orgasms. But omni, I felt into it and I said, wow, what's the nature of a baby? What's the nature of of our erotic innocence, the essential aspects of who we really are. And when I felt into it, I felt more and more that we're actually naturally omni-orgasmic beings. This means that we can actually feel pleasure in every cell in our body. There's no limit to where pleasure can exist in the body. And some people will know that already, and some people that will be a new concept. Um, And then omni also meant that when I see something inspiring and beautiful in life, I can allow myself to be touched by that in such a way that I experience pleasure. So now my experience of pleasure is no longer limited to a sexual experience with a human being, but it can be you know, a beautiful sunset that induces this orgasmic feeling in my body or a smell or something I'm eating or Anything really that the senses can drink in um, can induce this feeling of aliveness in the body. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <You> like that? <laughs> yeah, we'll have to learn more about that by reading the book, of course, The uh, Emergence of the Sensual Woman. Um, okay, and then you talk about fluid boundaries. So what are those? Uh, yes, this is a term I actually received through teaching um, more the subcultures of sexuality. So... Um, in in lesbian community, transgender community, these different communities, they have really clear languaging about body and body fluids. And so fluid bonded, in my understanding, means that you have a partner that you feel safe and sexually and uh, physically feel safe where you can exchange all fluids, that is saliva and sexual fluids and, and, and that you're clear that it, neither of you are going to be um, harmed or hurt by the exchange. And when you're fluid bonded, it's, it's, then you have the freedom to use protection, not use protection with each other. Ah, okay. Yeah. I, was taking, <laughs> I, I wasn't taking the word fluid literally. I was saying it like fluid, like, you know, movement. No, it, it has to do <laughs> with sexual safety and it has to do with clear communication and um, as adults, I often expect people to behave as adults sexually and, and communicate very clearly and say, hey, you know, um, I've got a cold or I've got, you know, I've got this or I've got that. And with your partner, most partners do tend to, you know, use, without even knowing, they are fluid bonded. They make that agreement. They feel safe together. Um, what happens in those subcultures is when you don't have that with someone, then the use of protection becomes uh, a, something to communicate about. How are we going to do this? How are we going to protect ourselves? Because we're not going to exchange any fluids. Right, right. So then um, you use the word succulent a lot in the book, which is not a word you often hear. And so what is the art of succulent living? Thank you. Another great question. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, let's first define succulent. I was inspired um, by succulent plants many years ago. I thought, wow, look at those plants. They live in the most harsh, barren environment, and yet they maintain their beauty and their juiciness and their aliveness. How do they do that? And all succulents have that skill. And I thought, well, that's what I want. I want to be able to, in any environment, especially the ones that are more hostile or barren of juiciness, to be able to maintain my own succulent, no matter what the external environment um, would want me to be like. Mm-hmm. So that's where it comes from. So the art of succulent living is really learning how to be in the world, fully expressed, allowing yourself to be alive with respect to other people and other people's choices, but without shutting down just because everybody else is thinking or viewing that, that's not how you should behave or should look or should feel. Mm. Yeah, because I'm sure we've all been in situations where someone walked into a room and they just lit it up 
and we're wondering, well, mm -hmm. why is that person so alive and so shiny? They were probably yes, absolutely living. And you know, it's interesting. We're in a culture where, uh, again, instead of celebrating that, we yeah. tend to get threatened <laughs> by that. And we I think the only reason we're threatened by it is because we're not doing it for ourselves. So once we learn how to do it for ourselves and celebrate ourselves, then we start going, oh, yeah, I want to celebrate you, and I want to celebrate you. And you look for opportunities to, to you know, celebrate all the fun and beautiful things of life. And, and for the most part, I get a sense that we're a little bit addicted to, um, you know, not really in the in crowd unless you have a bad job and a bad relationship <laughs> and a bad health. <laughs> so when, when you're actually healthy and you're feeling yes. happy about things, you're not really, um, you know, that in the groove, yeah. so to say. So I like to go against the groove in that sense and, and just celebrate anyways, even if no one else is. Right. Um, it's more fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. And let's hope, you know, hopefully one day it'll be the other way around where everyone is alive and shiny and bright. And if someone walks in with a dark cloud over their head, we're like, well, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Yeah, and not only what's wrong with you, but hey, how can we like help you remember who you are? Right. You know, how can we include you in our in in the respect and the love of this community in such a way that whatever process you're going through, because you know, to be honest, we're not always joyous. Sometimes we go through difficult things, and it's not uh, there's a place and time for that. And when you can be held in a community that just doesn't judge you and loves you and keeps reflecting back your beauty and in the truth of what that is, it's easier to relax into what your process is, to own that process, to fully experience it and live it, and then to come back into your own aliveness. Mm -hmm. Now, in the second part of the book, it has the practices, which has some drawings, which I love because drawings are always great to see what's going on. <laughs> and uh, you talk about the six healing sounds. Can, so can you talk a bit about those? Yes, um, they're part of a, a Qigong system. Uh, Qigong is a, something that I learned through a multiple of different teachers, both through martial arts and also through meditation. And um, it's a Chinese-based uh, practice. And the six healing sounds are, the idea behind them is to release the trapped heat in the body. Uh, there are certain postures that actually stretch the fascial sacs around the organs and release any trapped heat around the internal organs. And the idea is that if you have this trapped heat released and you're a little cooler, that you're not so um, prone to expressing uh, negative emotion. Like you might have the authentic emotion, but for the most part, people, when they're stressed mm -hmm. and so they're overheated, start to feel all these different emotions that are really just um, unhappy organs, internal organs. So the oh. healing sounds are a very simple way to start a, a, a deeper relationship with, with your vital organs, which is fantastic, and also a really um, wonderful way, I call it um, an energetic cleansing, just as you would you know, brush your teeth every day, mm -hmm. um, it'd be good to do energetically cleanse yourself fairly regularly, and you'll feel a lot better for it. And when you do experience a negative emotion, it'll be a lot more authentic to the moment. Um, from what I witnessed in myself and you know, also in teaching, Often when we react to something, we're not just reacting to the moment, but all the stuff mm -hmm. historically yes. that's similar to that moment. Right. So the healing sounds I have found um, as a way to release sort of that excessive um, energy that, that can um, kind of build up in the system. Right. So you would do, you would do uh, all six sounds each day? Um, sometimes yes and sometimes no. These are tools and you really are the master of your tools so you get to choose. And if, for example, um, I'm going through a period where I'm really, really sad, like I've, I've lost somebody or something's happened where I'm very sad, in order to support my lungs um, through that period of grieving, I would do more of just the lung sound for that period of time. Mm -hmm. um, there's been times where uh, I've been able to even ward off a flu through using the healing sounds because they, again, were able to move sort of trapped stagnant energy in my organs, and I didn't actually get sick when everyone around me was getting sick. 
I found that very exciting mm. when I discovered the power of those simple practices. Which sound would be the one to get rid of the flu? Oh, um, <laughs> well, I uh, at the time it was a stomach flu that was going around, so I did the sounds for the stomach spleen, as well as the small and large intestine, which is connected to the heart and the lungs. So I was doing those three sounds uh, over and over again, and it just seemed to clear everything out. So I was wow. quite happy about this. <laughs> okay, good. And to find out what they are, obviously people are going to have to look in the book and uh, <laughs> they can find out. Um, so uh, how can we let go of doing and just enjoy being? Mm. Well, how can we do it? Um, there's no doing in that part. <laughs> <laughs> we can't do it. We have to <laughs> relax, relax into being. Um, the thing is, is first to recognize our addiction to doing, our addiction to being stimulated, stimulated our addiction to our to-do list. And to start realizing that we're actually exhausted. And when we just stop for a little bit, for the first while, we're going to sleep a lot. And that will be our being practice. But after a while, if you um, invest a little time in doing some meditative practices or being in nature in some way, you'll start to recognize that you can be quite energized, but in a really relaxed state. So you don't have to fall asleep every time you stop moving your body. But most people are running on adrenaline mm-hmm. and uh, taxed adrenals and stress. So when they do stop, of course, they're exhausted. So um, part of relaxing into being is to really just allow yourself, give yourself permission sometimes mm-hmm. to just be, to have nothing to do. And, and in fact, I have found that people become a lot more productive when they give themselves that opportunity just to, to be still a little bit, even if it's just... Um, you know, a few minutes a day where at work they just close their eyes and and relax and sit back and take some deep breaths and then they can continue on with their day. That can really enrich their experience. Uh, if we just do, 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 and we're never digesting what we're doing, uh, we do get exhausted and depleted. Right. And so what is one thing that a woman can do today to start being more sensual? Mm. Okay. Um, <laughs> Another great question. I right? think it would be it would be to discover which of the, your <clears throat> senses um, right now is the most acute. For some people, it will be their, their skin, sense of touch. Um, others will be scent. Others will be taste or visual um, or sound. So discover which of those senses really uh, you're connected to, and then do one thing in the direction of enhancing that. For example, if, if it, for you it's taste, then next time you eat something, take your time to really taste it. Mm-hmm. Slow down a little bit and, and really taste it. Um, if it's a sense of touch and you're putting lotion on your body, slow down for a few minutes when you're doing it and enjoy the feeling of your hand putting lotion on your body. So that kind of helps to increase the sensuality of, you start with the one that's the easiest for you and then you can expand into the other one. Okay, great. Well, we're almost done. I just have one more question. Uh, tell us about the seminars, especially the Jade Goddess Seminar, because that sounds interesting. What can women learn if they come to that? Oh, that's a great question, too. So that seminar um, covers... The, my philosophy, so we, we have a look at what it means to be a woman now and um, learn to drop into self-defining that for ourselves. There's a whole practice on um, making contact with our, our hormonal, our endocrine system, and learning how to harness that system and balance it and um, work with that. So, and those practices are quite yummy. I like to do them fairly written almost daily if I can. Uh-huh. And we also work with something called a jade egg, which is an egg-shaped uh, piece of jade. This is your, used internally in, in, the, in the yoni, in the vagina, uh-huh. of a woman for pelvic health. So it really helps with um, the tone and supplements and the dexterity of this area of the body. So it really brings an aliveness. I think that most of us are sitting on a very amazing, vast, untapped potential of pleasure. And so using the egg 
A is great for, for health and sexual health. So if there's any of those kind of issues going on, it's good to really learn how to do more of an organic uh, healing or support of the body. And then, of course, there's the emotional nature of our sexuality. So there are practices to go into those types of emotions. So if we have frustration sexually or if we have um, shame or guilt or any of those kinds of things, how do we uh, tune into those, allow those to exist, and then also transform them into a point of power for ourselves? We also experience um, community with women. It's, it's really powerful to, to witness other women um, share their journey and express what they're going through because it's not more to you. And then you discover, oh, I'm not really alone. Mm -hmm. So that's really wonderful support for women. So a lot of the weekend is based on a solo practice and going inward, creating a heart connection with, with your sexuality, getting really aware of um, the beauty of your own sexual energy, your own sensual energy, and um, integrating that in a really natural, healthy, vibrant way into your life. Wonderful. Okay. That sounds fantastic. And, of course, to find out about all that, which website should people go to? JadeGoddess.com. Jade as in the stone. Okay. And Goddess.com. And is that also where they can get the book, or should they go to the other site? Um, both URLs go to the same site. Oh, there you go. <laughs> JadeGoddess.com will take them to the Desley Method, and that's where they can get the book. There's also a great online course. So if they can't come to a seminar, that's a really great way to do the training at home mm -hmm. at their, on your own pace, your own rhythm. And there's other support tools as well that they can find there, including, um, yeah, including an online community. So it's free and it's a great way to meet other women who are like-minded and doing these practices and going through life as a little more conscious, sexual, and alive. Yes, that is the goal. Well, thank you so much for being on today. Um, Again, the book is Emergence of the Sensual Woman, uh, Awakening Our Erotic Innocence. And um, again, thanks for being on. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. And it's time for me to um, hit the road. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate um, who, people who listen every week and on the podcasts. Um, again, my website is theartoflove.net, where you can send it from my newsletter. My book is, of course, at um, lessonsoflove.net. And until next time, remember that love inspires, empowers, uplifts, and enlightens. You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on L.A. Talk Radio. Oh.